theme song? Yeah. <laughs> that was me singing. I actually don't know if I could sing the theme song. It's a lot of, lot of bup, 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 those notes. Billy, uh, before we start the show, you want to tell the world your big news? What? Did something life-changing happen to you? Or what you, no? What? Huh? I feel like there was a big life event that happened this week um, as you're showing your hand to the camera. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, I will no longer be able. Unfortunately? Yeah. Going forward on Poptimist, we have this running gag where I say the boyfriend instead of saying. Yes. Now I have to censor it. And so from now on, just to, <laughs> something has happened to make it simpler. I will be saying the fiance. Wow, 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 wow. And you shall only refer to me as? The best man? No, I don't think yes. so. <laughs> Just because I was drunk and asked you that night does not mean. Yeah, I was uh, expecting to be asked at some point, but I I was like, oh, this is a, a priority got, of the evening? I got evening? really excited. I, went, <laughs> I was like, just talking. Look, look. So yeah, I'm engaged. All right. I am an engaged person. We have been together for over 12 years. I did yeah. not think this was going to happen. And when I tell people that they say, why, why didn't you think this was going to happen? I say, because for 12 years, he said, we're never getting married. All right. Mm-hmm. So. And our mother, when the fiance called her to tell her it was going to, he was going to do this. Her response was not, oh, my God, yay, even though she was excited. It was, well, I thought you never wanted to get married. Was I'm, so, I'm so glad she went for him. I'm so glad. She said um, what we were all thinking. Yeah, so that's happened. It's wild. It was thank you to everyone who came to Billy's Big Night Out because it happened at the end of Billy's Big Night Out. Um, yeah. Our guest was there. We'll probably talk about it again when I bring her on. And I have to tell you, the most insulting thing I've heard was... Because at Billy's Big Night Out, there was a lot of people who were my friends. And there's always my friends at the show, but they're never a majority of the audience. But and we this- also like all, great. We, we were seated, but we uh, were all in like the first three rows. Yeah, you guys were all clumped together. And then all of like the people I didn't know personally were farther away. So I was always like walking past them being like, hello, nice to see you. Thank you for coming. I know all these fuckers. Um, I think it was Taylor who said he because someone was like, "Is Billy gonna figure it out?" And Taylor was like, "No, no, you told Taylor told me that you said Billy has such an ego he'll just think they're here for his comedy. How dare you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I said, "At what point do you think his self awareness will overpass his ego?" That like. Yeah, all of his friends love him and come to his shows intermittently, but we all showed up to this one specific show. <laughs> and I was like, at what point is he going to realize that there's something happening? I feel and so you didn't. dumb. I feel like when Lauren Dewey walked in, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> like, like she's one of the ones where in hindsight, it's like, why? And then the Brills showed up. And they had just seen me host another show like three weeks before. And I yet again was just like, they just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so was I wrong? No. no. you. Uh, uh, I And if you watch the video, when he gets down on one knee, I look out into the audience because there's still a part of me that thinks he's fucking with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was just like, oh, he's in on the joke. And then I'm trying not to get emotional. And then he, when he pulled the ring out, I was like, there's actually a ring. He He got... I lost my mind. So that's what's happened. All right. That's where we're at. Welcome to Poptimist. I'm an engaged person. You are. Now introduce the show.
Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter when you're listening, welcome to Poptimist, a pop culture breakdown show focused on optimism. I'm a host. My name's Billy. Who's that other host? My name's Agni. I'm your sister and best man. (laughs) What are you doing? Are you sending work emails that you're leaning in and out? John's behind you. It's because Wes is in here, my cat, and he might become a monster. Um, Thank you. Of the child. So a guest, a guest appearance on Poptimist by John. <laughs> no audio at all. You'll never believe me. But there, he's in. He's out. He's what out. a what a trip this episode already has been. <laughs> this is insanity. Dagny, let's hop in. Do you have a pop yes. culture thing you want to talk about? Uh, kind of. I was kind of thinking about this because all of the things I've watched this week, I have talked about in some capacity. <laughs> um, it's but been a week. It's finish- been a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did watch a lot of things yesterday because I did nothing because like we said, busy week. Um, and so I watched a lot of stuff. Finished Midnight Mass. Really enjoyed it. Loved Thought it. Thought it was fun. Obsessed um, with it. I don't know if fun is the right word, but it was no, cool. Fun. Fun's the right it word. It was kind I of had, fun. I yeah, had yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. It was pretty wild. Uh, from the like last image that we see on episode five going forward, you were right, Billy. It's like, oh, and now we're sprinting. <laughs> yes. It's so. like it's like two incredibly slow episodes, two medium episodes, an mm-hmm. episode that picks up, and then the final two are, yeah, just a full sprint screaming yeah. straight into a wall. It's great. Yeah. We are recording this on Halloween. Spoiler. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so we were doing like watching spooky shows. So, John and I finished that. John, who was just in the room, um, <laughs> I also am almost done with season one of Lego Masters Australia, the best Lego Masters you could be watching. It's on Tubi, check it out. <laughs> Australia's um, your favorite now. Oh, yes, absolutely. They're oh, there's some really incredible characters. Um, I mean, they're human, they're real people, but Jordy. <laughs> Jordy is this 19 year old. It's a team of 19 year olds. Miller is the other one. But Jordy, when I say like sprints across from the like brick room to the table, like he is full <laughs> running. Billy, if you have Tubi, you have to watch this. All right. Because also, the most hated person I've ever seen on TV, his name is Kale. Uh, I like, like the, like the, the not yes. lettuce. Yes. And he, Bilzy is also their names are just like very Australian and very fun. His teammate Bilzy. Um, sorry, sorry, just stop, just stop. Kale and Bilzy. Yes, yes. This is the this is a team, and like <laughs> so, Kale um, thinks he's like world renowned, famous for Lego building, and I haven't looked his Instagram up because I don't want to know <laughs> if he wins because he can't. I will throw a fit if he wins. Um, but he every challenge, like makes Billsy follow his lead and always leads them astray like always has the worst ideas but Billsy's like Kale's the professional I can't do an Australian accent even though Billsy does his testimonials and he's like this isn't gonna work this is not gonna this is a bad idea and he's always right we love Billsy we hate Kale um I mean sure I'll remember yeah. that uh yeah you gotta you gotta check out Lego Masters Australia because Lego Masters, like I have said many times, greatest competition t- TV show. Uh, Drag Race holds a candle, but Lego Masters, <laughs> it's up there. Uh, Will Arnett maybe could be Nicole Byer, or not Nicole. Well, I guess Nicole Byer has also been uh, nominated. Nominated. For, uh, so you, sorry, host. sorry. Of all uh, the RuPaul, reality, RuPaul. Yeah, of all the reality competition hosts, you think Will Arnett in his <laughs> blue jeans and his slouch 
is going to come in and take an Emmy away from RuPaul. I do. I do. I will advocate for this. Um, yeah, I think he could he could pull this one out. It's so I mean, Lego Masters is great. And then Hamish is the host on Lego Masters Australia. And Will Arnett clearly stole some bits from. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm remembering a moment that Billy and our guest, I won't say your name yet, even though people know uh, if you haven't watched Lego Masters or Lego Masters Australia, please do. Um, but Hamish is the the judge or sorry the host but the other thing about lego masters australia there's only one judge and he is brutally honest he's like right this now is, right now this brick is going to land you in the bottom yeah his name's brickman we don't know his real name they just call him brickman yeah 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 you told me about this before i think yeah, on the yeah. show sorry i i have talked about this but like i have i have more passion for it now that i'm even deeper into the season um god it's so good uh and then other than that I've also talked about what we do in the shadows. I watched an episode of that. So all Great. of the things yeah. that I have watched, I have talked about already, but I did want to promote <laughs> Lego Masters Australia more. Get those viewing figures up. Dagny yeah. said. And Tubi's free. There's also Lego Masters UK on there, which is what we will obviously be watching after we finish Australia. Obviously. Um, all Iconic. right, Billy, uh, you've had a lot of things happen this week, as we said, but yeah, uh, so I've barely any done anything. Things? Barely anything in pop culture. I haven't, and I'm so sorry. Hopefully by the time this airs, I will have seen Dune. But I refuse mm. to watch it on my TV. I did see that. I forgot. Oh, yeah. I refuse to watch it on my television. Mm -hmm. um, I told the fiance we have to go see it in IMAX. And hopefully that will happen tomorrow night. But we will see. It um, was, I, I enjoyed it. Can you tell me what a Quisash Hatterack is? No. I, so... Who are the Benny Gesserit? What's a Gom Jabbar? <laughs> this is the really, grammar test. They they didn't. I mean, they explained certain things really well, but there was definitely stuff that I was like, mm, I could use more instruction on what this is. Um, but I mean, in the way my... Tolkien describes history, Frank Herbert describes religion in the books, and I, mm. I want to. I'm excited to see how they translate it. Yeah, to my the movie. boyfriend has read the books like you have um mm. and he liked it it is just the first half of the first book which is kind of yep. well known and they have been uh greenlit for greenlit. part two yeah uh, as of a couple days ago supposed I guess. to come out in 2023 and I, people were like isn't that quick and the director was like yeah it's quick but like the script is written it's already cast costumes are done he's yeah. like we're just gonna go back to the desert and film Get some shit in the sand cool again and the hot um, rumor is he wants to adapt the second book, Dune Messiah, as a third movie and just make like a trilogy, which I think works. Yeah. Oh, we'll okay. See. We'll see. Yeah. Um. But, uh, oh, I was saying John's critique was he wanted it to be a little more weird. Um, oh, yeah. Overall, I get even that. Even though like he's read it and he he enjoyed it. So. So yeah. I've got just real quick. Um, I should have said it last week on our Halloween episode, but every Halloween I watch Over the Garden Wall, which is the <laughs> so only sweet. miniseries Cartoon Network's ever done. If you haven't seen it, it's just fall themed. Yes, it it does work best to watch it on Halloween, but you can watch it right now. It's phenomenal. It's really quick. You can watch all of the episodes in like three and a half hours. You can just so they're eleven. There, I think they're fifteen minute episodes, and there's eight of them or ten of them. It's I think there's ten. Check it out, Over the Garden Wall. It rules. It's Dagny. cute. Yes. There is a show that the fiance had never seen, and he said, I want to have something I can watch in bed or watch late at night that's kind of silly. And now we are on season five of this show he's never seen. Is it The Nanny? No. <laughs> it is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <gasps> 
We watched bloopers of it last night. Man, uh, we'll talk for too long about Always Sunny. Um, I know. I know that's one of your all-time favorites. Oh, I love it so much. Uh, But just last thing before we introduce our guest, is the fiancé enjoying it? He's on season five. What do you think? He he's like me in the sense that he'll just like finish watching things though. <laughs> so um, yes, I didn't realize yeah, that iconic. he had seen he had seen the Nightman Cometh, and mm-hmm. um, he was singing it yesterday. So I think we're good. Yeah, I mean um, it's at, the best. And yesterday, an episode we watched while we were folding clothes was the wrestling episode, which I love. <laughs> just for I'm the trash man. I come out. And I throw garbage all around the ring. And then I start eating trash. Uh, you guys should watch some bloopers, uh, you and the fiance. Um, because, like, Danny DeVito just cracks everybody's shit up constantly. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Caitlin, uh, oh my god, Olsen, Olsen cannot keep a straight face on a ton of these bloopers because, like, Danny DeVito just improvises shit. Uh, yeah. And she loses it constantly. She's a genius, though. I just oh, yeah. watched The Dentist System, Classic. where uh, which is horrible, but if you remember in that episode, she's she's kind of treating a man horribly as well, yes. and, but she thinks he's Dennis systeming her, mm-hmm. and so he, like, surprises her on a picnic, and she's, like, out on a hiking trail alone, and when she tries <laughs> to leave him, she falls and rolls down a hill. <laughs> And then as she's trying to leave, she just screams at him. She's like, no, I don't. I'm independent. I'm an independent woman. And every like every second of her line delivery was like the funniest thing I'd ever heard. I just forgot how funny it was. I was dying. All right. Yeah. You know, always uh, funny. If you're listening, if you haven't, it's about the worst people in the world. And it's so good. It's so funny and yeah. horrible. Let's get our guest onto this show. Let's our do guest it. who um, has the single most last minute request to be on Poptimist we've ever pulled <laughs> off. All right. I got engaged. Dagny helped organize the engagement and the after party. I did. And then yesterday I was like, do we have a guest for Poptimist? And Dagny <laughs> was like, sure, don't. I asked our guest at midnight last night if she would do this, and she would. Everyone listening at home, lose your minds, put your hands together for actress and my good friend, Claire Liz Phillips. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having hello. me. Hello, thank hello. Welcome. Here. Thank you. Thank you. Truly, thank you so much for being here. It was a very last minute request on our end. Oh my gosh, it so was. Apologies for that. I am so happy. <laughs> so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yay. We have discussed before having you on the show, so this did work out in our favor. Um, But yeah, uh, thank you for preparing within, I think, like eight to 10 hours. Um, So we love that. Thank you. Of course, of course. And congrats again, Billy. I'm so, so happy for you. Thank you. you. And full on, so Claire was at the engagement too, but Claire was also working. So not to get into my (laughs) ego again, but Claire just showed up at the comedy club as like the second to last comedian was on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so nice, Claire. Thank you for coming. <laughs> You've got one comic left, but we can like hang out after. I just, I literally was just like, she just really wanted to drive over here real quick and say, hi, I'm such an asshole. Um, <laughs> Everyone in the first, second and third row was texting me like, all right, the first comic, the second comic, and then the, the sixth comic, it was like, go, 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 go. And so I sped down the 101 and I got there and I was like oh no this is going to give it away like I'm going to walk in and he's going to know that I was supposed to be at work but now I'm here so thank god you were so clueless I was like it was dead it was so dead at work I can't I can't believe I'm here so yeah 
And I, that, and then when I was on stage attempting to close the show and the fiance is coming on stage and I'm like, why the fuck are you here? Like, what can I help you with? Um, I noticed that John is in the audience with like a really nice camera Mm -hmm. and like, yet again, thought nothing of it. Just was like, (laughs) cool. We're gonna have some cool photos. Why are you on the stage? Get off. Um, so oblivious. I literally thought he just was bringing the tickets on so I could do the raffle at the end. Wow. Cried so many tears. Well, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I cried. It was really fun. It was adorable. Uh, thanks all. Thanks for everyone for making it happen. I still, I can't believe it. Okay. Claire, how are you doing <laughs> I'm, today? Thanks I'm for being good. Here. I'm good. How are you? Oh, the husband is delivering the coffee. Wow. What, oh, what, what a treat. A what a dream. We're having what so many treat. guest appearances today. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, it's because we're all mentally preparing for Halloween. Now he's uh, he's at work. He's got they had he made them have rehearsal today. Oh, I'm sure he made them have mad. rehearsal. <laughs> it's a two hour rehearsal. Okay, it's 11 a.m. Oh. to one. But speaking of Happy Halloween, I think we're all seeing each other this evening. If if you guys yeah, are, I think both... we're all going to the same. Oh, Halloween party. absolutely, we will be there. I have hours of makeup I'm... in front of me. I am very nervous, but I will be there. Ugh, I'm so I have excited. Up, I have picked an incredibly simple costume that. I'm not going to tell anyone about fully in case it falls apart, even though it's like <laughs> two things that I need. Oh, it's going to be fun. All right. Well, so here on Poptimist, what we like to do is we have our guests come in and they bring something from pop culture that they love that is not typically loved by everybody else, either because it's obscure or just because it's bad. Um, Claire, you were given <laughs> eight hours to prepare. Yes. More like 10, more like 10. All right, 10 whole hours. <laughs> ten, 10 whole hours, most of which uh, I was sleeping. But luckily for you guys, I yeah. do have something obscure that I very much love and would love to talk about yes. today. All right. Whenever you're ready, let's get into All it. All right. So I obviously, we're in the entertainment industry. We love movies. We love films. Um, I adore movie scores. It is one of my biggest things since I was younger. I feel like growing up as a kid, you know, we would have those little cassette tapes dating myself. Um, now on one side, it would have like all of your favorite songs and then you flipped on the other side and it would have the score. And I was that very yep. odd child that did not want to listen to the songs. I just wanted to listen to the scores. So oh, I what I want to talk about today is movie scores that are so good that they are controversially almost better than the films themselves. Trailer music yes. as well. And then at the end... <laughs> Um, I want to talk about the very controversial topic of ghostwriting um, because I do know a okay. little bit about it through composer friends in LA. I I think it more heated about it than they do, and because it is, uh, I have strong opinions. So I I will get on to that later later on. Are you telling me? Are you? God. I love this. <laughs> Breaking other people's NDA. I know, I know. I won't be able to name names, but I will be able to talk about it in like slight detail because it's amazing. Are you are you telling me that Hans Zimmer is not a real person and is in fact an amalgamation of eighteen different composers? No, how could that be? How could that be so? Speaking of Hans Zimmer, that the noises you're making right now, Billy, is like eighty percent of Dune. Did yes, he do he did yeah. wow. And most of it is great. just boom. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's great. Look, I he pe- he peaked with Inception. What an insane soundtrack that is, even in hindsight. Yeah. Bananas. Um, um but Claire, right, I would cool. like to this know yeah, I guess right off the top, uh your favorites just um Ooh. as a kid. 
Oh, favorite as a kid. Yeah, childhood. Childhood, childhood sure. ones. Yeah. Absolutely going to be a tie between um, The Lion King and Pocahontas. Those two mm. are both masterpieces in my eyes. Both of them still yes. hold up to today. So Pocahontas, 100%. The Lion King, also correct. But you're telling me you're doing the score of Lion King over the lyric musical songs of Lion King. It, it is really difficult, but I do feel like <laughs> it is so, so good to me. Um, it's a tie. It's a tie. That's my favorite Disney movie of all time. Is Lion King. It's it's like it's uh, yeah. so yeah, it's Billy's too. Yeah. So good. Lion King's up there. I love Lion King and Mulan. Those yeah, are probably that's my, my big sister's two. favorite. Is Mulan? Yeah. Um, yeah there. I love the yeah. Lion King. It's it's just good all the way around for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. It adds so much, so much depth to it. So how did you feel about live action Mulan? Taking the lyrics, the lyric <laughs> songs of the musical and turning them into a uh, I feel like they could have gone more with it or done something a little. I did not think it it was that movie, which is I could go on for a, a long time about of, you know, Disney, you have the you have the money, you have the backing, you had like cinematically, visually you were given everything that you needed and you just didn't do what you were supposed to do with it. I mean, <laughs> the writer's room needed to like have a stern talking to it. It just was not. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we haven't, I, they haven't announced like a live action remake in a hot second. I think it's, they've probably taken a break after yeah, uh, like three or four, <laughs> not very popular ones in a row. And mm-hmm. it was such a bummer because Cinderella came out swinging. Well, we're getting a little mermaid like, soon. Mm-hmm. That I'm hyped for that. Yeah. I think that pro- that's probably why we're, I mean, COVID slowed everything down, but I think they're probably like, let's make sure these are things people will want to watch. <laughs> um, oh yeah. And we're, so, uh, uh, oh no, I think I just, I just made up the live action Hercules in my head. I don't think that's actually been announced or green. Um, but it has, wanted it. yes, true. It has been greenlit for Broadway though. Yeah. Yes. Which that's very would, exciting. That yeah. should be a Which Broadway is, show. It's, it's, it fits yeah. it well. Yeah. It's so. Speaking of great scores. Yeah. Hercules Absolutely. rules. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's a, a good one, one as well. So when did you, do you have any like childhood ones that weren't from musicals? Like, did you have any like, oh, oh, she's not. So this is, what we got? Uh, so I love, I feel like in the composer world, like don't come at me. I have to say that like disclaimer, like I have <laughs> like, composers do. And like, I have a music degree, but that's it. Like I am not a composer. I was never good at composition in school. So um, every, I feel like every composer I'm about to name is like, Oh, well they have ghostwriters. They have this. It's like, yes, yes. I know. I know. I know. I'm just saying the piece as a whole. So anyways, I was a fan of Danny Elfman. I think that, you know, obviously mm. very well known for Batman, Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. Edward Scissorhands, the Ice Dance and Edward Scissorhands. So good. Um, but yes. one of the ones that I love that I feel like was not talked about, which I do feel like is better than the film, is the main theme from the Spider-Man movie that came out in 2002. I didn't was not mm. a big fan of that film. Uh, the... Oh, the Willem Dafoe Green, Green yes. Goblin one. How yeah. dare you? Well, it, it was, 
it wasn't bad, but I thought that, you know, an intro in a movie is supposed to be a musical intro. It's like setting you into the film. It's supposed to yeah. guide you in and like get you prepped and ready for like the world that you're about to enter in, especially into any sort of like a comic book film. That's like super important. And I felt like yeah. that main title into that film, which, you know, I was 12 when I saw that, that in the theater seeing it, I was like, oh my gosh, like it just completely took me out of it because of how amazing that score was for me. Yeah. That was like so, so high up there as far as like a non-Disney, non-musical like Gotcha. Title. That was a good one. Nice. I'm gonna have to go listen to it. I think I know what it is, but I'm gonna have to listen You'll to it. You'll know it as soon as you hear but it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Speaking I mean, uh, yeah. of like Marvel scores though, I think one of, I mean, all of the Avengers films are great, but just the like, intro to all of the Avengers films, I think is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I I so um, I remember when the trailer for Endgame came out and I, and, and I was all of a sudden like, oh, this Avengers theme has somehow subtly, slowly become iconic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, and I, it's so simple, but just the bah, 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 whatever, you it know, it's terrible tone. when I sing it. Perfectly. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's and it's it, yeah. It's that's the the Avengers theme is fantastic. I think that they did a great. Even job the little that. Marvel yeah. intro, we sing it all the time. Like dun 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 dun. We like do the drums as we're doing it. Or my my poor, I have a golden retriever named Lando, and whenever we leave him, we always put on a movie, and a lot of times it is a Marvel movie. So he gets really sad when he hears the like. <laughs> dun, 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 because he's like, I'm going to get on the couch. You guys are leaving. See you in like a few hours. We'll be right back. So <laughs> I know it's so sad. Follow Lando on Instagram. He's so cute. Yes. Yes. At Lando the Brave. My beautiful, beautiful pop. But speaking of trailers, there is an album. This is like mm-hmm. really nerdy. Um, <laughs> I have listened to on repeat for years and years and years. It probably came out over 10 years ago, but um it's from an artist called Two Steps from Hell. The album is called Invincible. And I think that every single track on that album has been used in a major trailer <laughs> in the past 10 years because it was, it literally was, I don't know if that's what they intended it for, but that is what this album is. It's just like all that epic trailer music that you like hear behind it that gets you excited. I feel like there are so many trailers out there that like you watched and you were like oh my gosh I'm so pumped for this movie and then you go and see it and you're like that was terrible (laughs) yeah I actually get bummed when a when a trailer has like a phenomenal piece of music for the trailer Mm -hmm. and then that music is not in the Mm -hmm. film yeah um like the uh the original Sin City trailer has this amazing song in it I don't even know what it is go look it up go watch the the Sin City trailer but like (laughs) There's a part where like the car, the car gets flipped and there's a car rolling and there's like this electric guitar riff as the car is flipping and it's so fucking cool. And that song is nowhere in the movie and I'm still mad about it. I saw (laughs) the Shadow and Bone, that new TV show that just recently came out this last year. Mm -hmm. They had a really like interesting, not super complex, but like had a cool theme in it for that trailer. And I really wanted that to be in the show. It was not. It was not. It's... Uh, that was a bummer. What a missed opportunity. Well, yeah. 
Oh, man. I'm trying to also think of like theme songs from TV shows that I think are really good, like Westworld, obviously like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones Band is like Brothers. Yeah. That's that's Band of Brothers is. I actually, is that... I've never seen oh, Band of Brothers. Really? I need to see it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Go see it immediately. It It is <laughs> so good. And the main theme will like bring you to tears before it's even started. Again, like another really great example of like setting it before you're in. Also, yeah. just yeah. a really great show because it's all of these now extremely famous actors whenever they were like babies and were no one. All of these different like yeah. soldiers that they cast in like every single episode. I can't remember who the casting director was on that, but brilliant. Or if it was Spielberg that was the one that was in the room making those decisions. But someone had an eye for incredible talent, honestly. It was great. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, I know that shows was huge, stays huge. It gets brought up all the time and it came out like over mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So yeah, 100%. yeah, that's a good one. Um, now the, the Game of Thrones theme is great. I just to give Dagny a hard time. I like the Expanse theme. <laughs> Shout out to that. Um, but it's very atmospheric and very lonely because the show, there's a lot of a focus on like how far apart everything is in space and how long and isolated it is mm-hmm. with also like a thumping drive throughout the whole thing that's getting more insistent because yeah. Shit's getting real. Um, What's World is great. I'm trying to think of movie scores where like the score might be better than the film. Do we have any examples? Any thoughts on that? Uh, have you seen Dragonheart before? No, <laughs> I, I have not. Uh, not a good film that has a finale uh, or in a score in general that is far, far better than it than the film itself. Mm. It's, um, they will play it. Like I know the Cincinnati Pops did an entire album they did part of their album of that score of like this random obscure thing that like they love because it really is that good if you listen just go listen to the finale of dragonheart don't watch the movie just (laughs) (laughs) youtube just youtube the the finale of that yeah yeah it's really good also, wow, um, nice. I feel like the last time I got taken out of a show because I was like, what is this music was The Crown. Um, yes. The the track is called Duck Shoot, and it's at the very end of this, maybe the second episode of season one. Yes, yeah, so I good. know exactly what you're talking about. So, so good. I, I literally remember like <laughs> drifting off and away and being like, what is this? What is this song? I'm not listening to this <laughs> show anymore. <laughs> Yeah, really that's good. the theme to the crown is also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. The music that yeah. they use in that show. Is just I, I like so the music on the crown a whole lot. Yeah, I was it's just it's thinking very too, cinematic and theatrical, but it's just a, a Netflix series. <laughs> <laughs> but that they just vomit money onto though, and I'm fine me too, with that. Me too. Ugh. Late. I just can we just talk about Imelda Staunton? I cannot I can't wait. wait. Yeah, it's going to be good for next season. I, uh, so Imelda Staunton's going to be the queen for seasons five and six, the last two seasons. When we were in London together, mm-hmm. Claire, um, the fiance and I went and saw Sweeney Todd with her as Mrs. So did Lovett. I. And, okay, and to this day, I've just back, I don't yeah. know if you're going to back me up or not, but like the best yeah. Mrs. Lovett yeah, I've ever she seen. Bar none. Like, oh, it I was I so good. I hardly remember anything else she about was. the show. I just remember her, honestly. <laughs> like, I can't tell you who else was. <laughs> It was like a very famous co-star playing Sweeney, and I I could not tell you who it was. I I I don't even remember what he looks like. Is that terrible? Because <laughs> I, I realized that I'm I'm the the Sweeney I'm picturing in my head was the um the guy who was Sweeney with uh 
I was about to say Bernadette Peters, Patty Lapone. No, what? Yeah, with Patty Lapone yeah. when they did the the restage in like 2004 mm-hmm. or whatever. That's the man I'm picturing. I didn't see him live. No, I have no idea who the Sweeney <laughs> in London was. I'm so sorry, sir. Whoever you whoever are. you are, so sorry. Uh, Imelda Staunton. So I was thinking too about like movies that get mediocre, maybe through sequels, and a soundtrack is dragging it, kicking and screaming to epic <laughs> cinema, specifically the Pirates of the Caribbean I was franchise. about to say. <laughs> well, it's so obviously Pirates of the Caribbean is very odd because, and like who knows what is the truth because of like NDAs, but um, Hans Zimmer passed on that score. He was like, I don't want to do this. And he gave mm. it to Klaus, what's his name? I can't remember his last name. Klaus, sir, who did definitely uh, the first film. And then he says, Hans Zimmer says that he contributed to the main themes of Pirates of the Caribbean. How true that is, I'm not really sure. But obviously Pirates of the Caribbean became this monster hit. And then he took over for the next three films. um, With Klaus Bedell. Bedell? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So all of that, which is brings us to Hans Zimmer, is just very questionable in itself. The things that he has said about ghostwriting and about credits. I know that I read an article once about him talking about how it's just really hard to put extra names in the credits for other people because that means you would have to take a name away from the credits of someone else. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's not how credits work. That's not how credits work. (laughs) Credit should be due where credit is due. And if you worked on it, you know, it's just like an editor of a film. There are assistant editors. They all get credits. All their names are there. Yeah. Um, Even personal assistants to people are in the credits. So if there is ghostwriters, they should absolutely be credited in the credits. Like mm-hmm. no yeah. questions asked. And the fact that they aren't is very upsetting because it's literally just an ego trip for the composers of being like, I did all of this and I don't need any help. I think I think it's the ego trip too, but do you think there's something culturally where we just assume or expect all successful mu- musicians to be like virtuosos, uh, right, Mozart level stuff. geniuses? Well, and we're just like, that's what a musician is in America, is a one-man genius. Well, and I mean, the king himself, John Williams, is mm-hmm. yes. someone that, that those are shoes that absolutely no one can fill. The scores that he has created are incredible. And Superman, Harry Potter, Jaws, uh, Jurassic uh, uh, Park, Wars. Home Alone. Oh, it just literally goes on for days and days and days. And of course, he has yeah. people that like that help him as well, but not in the same way. He has the talent of being able to, if you know it's a Hans Zimmer film, you're able to listen and mm-hmm. go, I, I, you can even tell in Steve... Jablonski, who did the Transformers films that he trained under Hans Zimmer, because you can hear <laughs> Hans Zimmer in the Transformers scores, but um, he is able to completely, you listen to Jaws and you listen to Harry Potter, you can't, you would not know that that was the same composer because he completely morphs into, yeah. he is the Meryl Streep for composition. He morphs into completely <laughs> different people. And, um, 
those are huge shoes that like no composer has ever filled in my eyes. Yeah. And so I think that I mean, pressure fair. has put on, I'm sure it is enormous pressure for all American and international composers worldwide just trying to follow him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anybody can that. that is as like incomparable <laughs> as John Williams. Like I, I, that's just like the best you get. Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah. It's, I'm just thinking of like iconic theme songs that you can hum mm-hmm. from Star Wars. massive pop culture hits. Yeah, and Star they're all Wars. Him. Yeah, just, I mean that's the one. Yeah, yeah. There's no one, um, and that's you know, where his mark has been made. Of like, there's no one in the world that doesn't know the Darth Vader song. Like, you can hum it to anyone <laughs> in any country, and like, they're going to know it. Like, he has mm-hmm. completely like music art changes the world whatever but like it really does like it he has left his impact and his mark with all of his work have you seen the video of the two high school students who play the trumpet outside of no, his house I haven't. it's it's a little I, I was worried it would be creepy but it's really cute they set up their little music stands and they play i think they play the star wars theme Aww. um they might have done darth vader and after a after like 45 seconds to a minute he opens the front door and comes out and he walks up to them and shakes their hands and talks to them about playing music. And it's fantastic. Oh it's so cute. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but also like, if you're listening, don't, don't go play a trumpet outside John <laughs> Williams house. Can you imagine if everyone tried to do that? It's insane. It is. It is. Um, um, I do have a composer I, that I really like um, and only really know a ton about because I went and saw Incredibles 2 at the Academy and he did a talk back. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Michael. Oh my gosh. G Giacchino he does like all the Pixar films and speaking of like great scores the Incredibles just all of the music from the Incredibles is so good um but he did he did up right uh, yeah he's done almost all the Pixar films and he did um Coco he wrote the original score for that um and in Coco in the part where there is like the concert the conductor is it's like he's a skeleton but it's clearly uh, animated after him like it looks just like him that's awesome and he mentioned that in the talk back and I went and watched Coco that night because I hadn't seen it um, and I talked a bit about the music in the talk back as well and I was like oh my god that is him I saw him today talk and like that's exactly what he looks like but as a skeleton uh, and it's just ugh, I love little things like that he's, but he's so talented as well especially he's just, doing the music for the Batman coming up oh yeah. really yeah so he's got a wide like he's very talented I mean I don't want to like say he's John Williams because like we said there's only one but speaking but of he is a very he rogue range. one yeah I did rogue one he has a huge he does a lot of Disney stuff um but he has a huge range and I, yeah I think he's fantastic yeah, the um, intro for Up, again, like anyone that wasn't crying yeah. in those at the end of those first three minutes. And that was just magic, you know, a marriage of yeah. art and music and that to make us just sob watching that. Yes, like no no words. It's just the, yeah, just the art and the music and, and brought us all to tears. <laughs> he did Zootopia. Zootopia's got a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, so Claire, mostly just because he got to write a song for, um, Shakira. Sorry. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, Billy and I obviously are really enjoying this topic, but, uh, I want to make sure we cover all your things. Um, are there other scores? Like, I know I asked specifically about when you were younger, but as you've grown up, I know you mentioned Spider-Man, but are there any that we haven't talked about that 
are really impactful that you like will listen to today just casual listening <laughs> there are many that i listen to today casual listening um let me think let me think let me think um well you know who we haven't talked about yet howard mm-hmm. shore howard shore lord of the rings did the lord of the rings trilogy yes. which wow. um uh i mean the hobbit theme the hobbiton theme iconic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of it it's so good lord of the rings music is fantastic yeah it's um, it's really great that's one again that like is very transformative they did just yeah to such a good job yeah it's so good i love yeah make me cry my eyes out and i think of this is back on john williams but like duel of fates in the first star wars again a movie that i'm not a fan of but you can't tell me (laughs) that you don't feel things when darth maul comes and those doors open it's insane (laughs) yes I mean, that's the, <laughs> it's the one I like to like sing with Taylor because it's so stupid. It's great. Duel of Fates Oh, and rules. one more thing, because I am going to tell a story about my friend that is a ghostwriter that I cannot name, nor can I yes. even name the show that he's on or the composer that he works with. But um, there was someone who I know in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, he is a French composer. He's very, very talented, very, very gifted. And he is a ghostwriter for an Emmy and Golden Globe winning uh, composer. And he is oh one of the uh, few ghostwriters for a very, very successful um, show on Showtime. And he, of course, has signed an NDA and he cannot say that that is what he does. And whenever the composer wins awards, it is him and of course like that composer is there like more as like an overseeing uh figure but it is his work and he is working hours and hours and hours at home uh on that amazing show and it was the first time that I had met someone that was willing to talk with me about it I'm sure that again composers in that world talk about it all the time but um I was so angry for him and his response which was so genuine and so pure was like I am doing what I love I am creating music for an amazing tv show on incredible program and I love doing what I do so much that I don't care and I was, that's I was like, I mean, that's, that's really nice. It's but. so great, but I'm so furious for you. So every time that, yeah. that show comes up, I'm like, no, oh, like, no, <laughs> like, I'll watch you, but in anger. <laughs> because oh, it's, that's it's, wild. it's so weird too, because so many other things, even in Hollywood that work like this, yeah, the assistants and the, the other people still get credit. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of things where, like, that isn't the case, but, like, I mean, maybe, like, punch-up writers. But you'll even have screenplays with, like, five people credited because they kept passing the screenplay yeah, around. Yeah. Um, that's nuts. You know, not, not like Carrie Fisher punching up uh, punching up jokes. She didn't get credited all the time, <laughs> but that's fine. Well, but, uh, I, like, I'm also thinking, like, about pop music, too, because, like, one of the recent ones I can think of is so so much credit that like maybe not even necessary with like Olivia Rodrigo's music where it was like basically I think a lawsuit where Paramore was like this sounds so much like our song we should get credit and she ended up doing like giving them credit which it's like they didn't even I I understand but like they didn't technically write with her but they still are given credit um which is just it's wild that like it's that like 
intense in like the pop or just I guess music world, but as far as soundtracks, that's overlooked where like credit yeah, is due. Well, because on like pop albums too, you, the the credits in like the in the CD case, remember, or like <laughs> they go on and on and on because mm-hmm. it's like everybody that worked on it gets credited. Yeah. Um, and I just, I mean, here's my, I just recently, I'm like 10 years late to the drama, that the, that, um, Beyonce's Halo and that Kelly Clarkson song are the same song. Mm-hmm. Um, Which song? Uh, I just saw that. I can't remember what the Kelly Clarkson song is. I just listened oh, I didn't to know it. that. Yeah. Um, it's just wild that like people are that not egotistical in the score, I guess maybe in the like film world or not necessarily film, yeah. but like what you're talking about, which is like Epic scores. And yeah. Uh, and I would, um, it's, and it's the, like, it's I the, want my name ahead. and my name only, but yeah, in I would have to look to see worlds, like maybe but. his name is on like the CD. If you were to go out and buy the soundtrack, like deep in the pages or something, yeah. but like <laughs> as far as the actual like credits rolling, at the end, right. he's he's not there like at all, and that's oh, like wild. very oh, upsetting yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, as a friend, it's that me. is upsetting. Yeah, especially as a friend. Um, and so you know, the like, the oh. Kelly Clarkson song is called "Already Gone." Came out oh, in two thousand nine, yeah, and both songs have the same composer. And I don't know if he just didn't realize he did this. Uh, but my favorite, I was reading, I mean, 10 years too late, but I was reading the quotes about it from like when it happened. And my favorite Kelly Clarkson quote, because even though her song came out first, she was like, you think anybody's going to think Beyonce stole this from me? No, the immediate reaction from the audience is that Kelly Clarkson stole this from Beyonce. <laughs> and I was like, I love that she gets it. That That's hilarious. Yeah. But now you can find, you can actually, I saw a clip of her singing Already Gone on stage and then towards the end of the song, she just like seamlessly transitioned into Halo. That's funny. It was great. Ugh, good stuff. Yeah, but that I, it's just, yeah, that's wild to me that they're so egotistical. Some of them. But, it's, and ugh, I do think, so I think it's ego, but I, I do think it's a little culturally too, that we, we have this idea of like, there's the director and there's the film score composer. <laughs> and the composer is one man in a room with a bunch of papers on top of a piano. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I I am 100% with you. And, like, we know better. Like, we went to school and know that that's not the case. And yet sometimes in my mind, yeah. I'm like, and he did it alone. And he did it by himself in a room. And he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even some composers will say, like, which may be true. Like, I don't know. Like, I spit this out in a night. I just went in my room and I... But there are stories of that. There are stories where Spielberg went over to, again, John Williams' house and was like, I watched him create E.T. right in front of my eyes. I literally watched him do it. And it was insane, you know? And that is, if you are that gifted and that talented, which he clearly is, like, that's awesome. But not everyone has that sort of gift. Like, some people, it takes time and work to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes other people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And exactly. I mean, that's, and I think we're, we're, we're slowly getting better with that, with other things. Like I think we, as a culture think less of not less, but we no longer think of like the director as the person who does everything. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, even though we still have auteur directors, um, shout out to my boy, Wes Anderson, who like writes and directs. <laughs> um, but like, I think more and more people are, are like paying attention to cinematographers and paying attention to costume designers um, and fingers crossed, uh, maybe we can get some light shown on uh, the composer mm-hmm. world. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because, sure. yeah, the, I mean, the 
secret composer that you're talking about definitely is not the only one in Hollywood or just in the composing world that doesn't have at least a little bit of help behind the scenes. Um, that is not getting credit where credit is due. So maybe our little episode of Poptimist will inspire <laughs> a composer to give credit to one of one or two of their ghostwriters. Yeah. And for um, them, they're like, oh, I am giving credit. I'm paying them a lot of money. So that they can live comfortably, yeah. <laughs> but again, pseudo writing under their name, like not cool, not okay. Yeah. There are even like super famous composers. I think I don't want to misquote, but I think it's Mozart that had mm-hmm. like a ghostwriter later in his life, and you can mm-hmm. see because his stuff has been studied so much that you can tell when it wasn't them. Him, you, you could just tell, you know, because they write wow. in a certain way. So. This is not a. Huh. This has been happening for a long time in many yeah. different areas yeah. of art. Oh, huh. I wonder if it's just like widely accepted at this point. Where in that world, where it's like, yeah, there's one name, but it rep- it technically, like people in that world know who's behind it. Like, well, that's what we do so with like respect, fine art. But... Like, um, that's what we do with like famous artists and painters. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. uh. Um, like Dale Chihuly, who I love, who does a lot of glass work, but like he has a studio that's the Chihuly studio Mm -hmm. and he's, I mean, especially now he's got cataracts and he's like in his eighties, he's not like blowing glass anymore, but like, he's got people he's trained and people who've studied with him or studied with people who studied with him. And, but, but then the question is like, well, is this a Chihuly? He didn't touch it. Like he was there for it. It was all a part of the process. But like, and yeah, maybe he picked the colors and was like, it's shaped like this, but he didn't like blow the glass. He didn't stick it all on there. He didn't make this tree, mm. but it's a Chihuly piece. And it's, it's, even though with that in the art world, it's not like a secret. It's not like, it's not like he's keeping all of these people behind <laughs> curtains and he's like, don't talk to the public. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's, I guess maybe it's just the fact that it's secret is a little weird yeah. with the composer stuff that it's so legally non legally binding NDAs. Well, and I feel like some of them obviously have to have varying degrees of secrecy because obviously this friend yeah. very willingly told me what he does and yeah. um but it's not something that he's going to go like brab to the the pl- the press and be like I, you know, can't believe that they won I did it. this award and this and this and I'm the one who really cuz he's not the only one. Like there's multiple ghost writers for a composer mm-hmm. like many many yeah. and they all they all have them you know so but oh dang yeah. wow hmm. that's so interesting it is oh wow well are there any other uh specific scores you would like yeah. to talk about or Before any we other wrap up. fun secret facts about the hollywood industry <laughs> <laughs> just tell just tell us the show claire just tell yeah, us the show so I will ask after we. Oh yeah, no, recording. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. <laughs> um, I, I, the only other thing I was going to say that I think is interesting is when a long series has happened and they switch composers is fascinating to me. Not to bring up Harry Potter, but Harry Potter obviously mm. started with um, John Williams and then moved on to I think Nicholas Hooper and then to um, Dupla, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I do like Andre Duplat. I like him too. And I think that was pretty, I didn't, I was not excited when I heard that, but it actually worked because I feel like as 
Harry is growing. The music is also growing and maturing, um, which is also kind of similar to the writing of those books, how like the first book, if you go back and read it as an adult is like, oh, wow, this is like a kid's book. And then in the end, it's like so dark and so heavy that it's like growing (laughs) with Harry, the writing as well. And also I feel like with the score, it kind of matched that, which I kind of loved. I feel like the, um, the courtyard apocalypse track in the Harry Potter seven part two is so Mm -hmm. good. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, they were still able to incorporate John Williams themes in there as well. And I think it really worked. Like I liked it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because they they always would credit original Harry Potter theme by John yeah. Williams. Yeah, which you should, again, because he did that. But then take that and, like, go play with it. I think that would be kind of fun. I feel like music sometimes in school, I was overwhelmed by just the vast options that you had to yeah. work with with composition. I feel the same way about writing sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy doing adaptations or things like that because I need a box to like trap my imagination (laughs) Um, yeah and I feel like that would be so fun as a composer to already have like some sort of a structure already built and be like let me play and like flip it on its head and flip this in a minor key and go and throw this orchestra out here that would yeah that would be such a cool thing even though daunting to do yeah (laughs) I, well, I, I think about, I was just thinking about um, uh, iconic themes. We've got the James Bond theme, which has been around mm, for 50 so years long. now. Yes, and I I love um, in Skyfall, in Adele's theme, so Skyfall, good. they incorporated they incorporated the Bond theme into the song mm-hmm. very subtly. And it's so good. Yeah, that's, yeah, one thing with James Bond, I mean, not that there's a new composer every time, but I do love that a different artist gets the opportunity to write mm-hmm. a James Bond theme with every movie. Because yeah. that's like one of the, like, there's a new Bond film. Who's writing the music? Like, who's writing the opening song? And it's just like, and- just as exciting as like, and like just the fact that there's a new Bond movie, but we all are waiting to find out who they pick. This is my guilty pleasure with that is I love when a Bond movie has a phenomenal theme and is a trailer. <laughs> have you seen the new one yet? No, Dagny has, I have. but I have not. I, I like the want to Billie Eilish no song a lot. I mean, it was released like too. a year really ago like because the movie was pushed back right. to the release date. But um, yeah, I really liked the song and the montage they did at the beginning. Again, I kind of like everything, and I liked the movie a lot. (laughs) (laughs) uh, My two examples are um, Live and Let Die is not a bad movie, but it's not a great. It's not a great Bond film. But Paul McCartney's Live and Let Die is fantastic. That song's great. And probably my favorite example is the absolute horrible Bond film, A View to a Kill. (laughs) <laughs> with a theme song by Duran Duran oh, wow. that slaps way slaps way harder than the movie deserves. <laughs> doesn't even doesn't fit tonally with the film. <laughs> Nothing about that song works with the movie you're about to see, but it doesn't matter. I'm just there like dance into the fire. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of the new Bond film, Rami Malek's twin brother, I saw the other day. He, oh, really? Yes, he came into work. That's the most handsome toad man I've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the most handsome toad man, Dagny. You can't just say. I'm these sorry. Things. 
No, Rami Malik, he does look like a very handsome frog, in my opinion. <laughs> He's got that face. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a mean way, but like you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's a cute frog. And he looked like a real like his look very good for a Bond villain or Bond villain. Villain. Yeah, his yeah, his he, brother has face. more of like a chisel jawline, is like more scruffy. Um mm. and but he sat down and I they have the same eyes clearly twins and I was like yeah. oh I was like oh oh my gosh like there's no way you're not and I like walked yeah. away and then at the end he was like that's me I'm like yep I got it that's you <laughs> I didn't even know he had yes. a twin yeah dumb it's very cool yeah, it's very cool um wow. Well, great. Wow. Any last thoughts on um, music scores? I used to like when I would study in college, my go to like music when I was like really trying to hunker down or write a paper or something was epic movie scores. Uh-huh. So I get it. I get the I get the, the love of it. Well, and, um, and now and yeah, have you done something different than just the. Yeah. Have you done sorry, ambient music before? Have you tried studying or working with that if you go on youtube and you type in like your favorite movie uh-huh. a lot of them have like ambient music playlists and actually one of your former hosts um people that you hosted ali rosenstein told me about this you'll go in and you'll type in like lord of the rings ambient music and it'll be all these different like towns or scenes from lord of the rings it'll be two hours of just that theme slowly going in the background of like a fire like in the background and then like the sounds oh. of like Hobbit, you know, whatever. And I will put that on to help me focus while I'm working of just like little good background music of like some of my favorite scores. So anyone out there so who nice. needs some good work music, highly suggest it. It's free. Go on YouTube and type in your favorite film and they'll probably have it. Oh, cool. I'm going to do that because I've just been listening to just like the lo-fi instrumental girl or whatever, <laughs> like the lo-fi hip-hop, <laughs> where it's just that girl like on her computer with the cat in the window. I hope everybody knows yep. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'll just throw that we on. We do. Yeah. You can type in, <laughs> Allie was like, type in Gryffindor common room and talk to me in four hours. And it's like the sounds of like Harry Potter around like Christmas time, like going through and like. It's Aww. so great. I was like, girl, I love it. I love it. So Ugh, thank you, Allie Rosenstein. Soon to be Allie Lyle. Yeah. So. Wild. Also an engaged person. Also an engaged wow, person. Circle. It is in the <laughs> air right now. I just don't even know what's happening. But I love it so much. All my favorite people yeah. getting engaged. So Very cute. Can't wait. Well, Claire, uh, here on Poptimist, we like to end our show with a game we call What a Pitch. What a pitch is where our guest gives us a prompt, uh, either uh, any a show, a movie, any kind of media, and then a genre, and we have 30 seconds to pitch you our projects. I believe Dagny goes first this I week. I think I do. So if you're good to go, Oh, Claire, I am so good to go. We can do this. Um, in honor right. of Halloween. Um, oh, here, I'm going to I'm gonna mute myself. Okay. Go nuts. In honor of Halloween, um, mm-hmm. and recently it was announced that Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel, is coming out, which is so exciting. I believe that so Hannah Waddington it was just recently attached. And for all those Ted Lasso fans out there, that's very exciting. 
Um, oh, she's so iconic. I, I love her. I love her too. <laughs> so what I want to know is uh, give me your storyline for the Hocus Pocus sequel and what you would want to see as I just recently watched it for the very first mm. time this last week. As Billy knows, everyone was appalled at that admission, but go. Wait, for the first time? For the is first that time, yes. <gasps> I had never seen – I'd seen clips and I had <gasps> seen scenes, but I finally – sat down and was like, I am putting this on. I am watching Hocus Pocus and I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to right off the bat, um, my favorite character and also I think the greatest performance she's ever given is Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus. Um, so I would love obviously for the Sanderson sisters to come back, but I want her to be the pivotal character. But I didn't know Hannah, what is her last name? Waddington. Waddington. Yes. I didn't know she was attached to the project. Um, I am assuming she's acting in it. She's not like directing or anything. She's in it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say she, maybe she's like a long lost Sanderson sister or she comes back or she comes to, uh, I don't know. Now I was thrown by Hannah being in it because I love her so much. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We'll forget about her. Sarah Jessica Parker is going to be the main witch. Um, we'll just say, that uh uh oh my gosh i'm not doing great with this um what is her name the the main one bet midler bet midler bet midler um but oh my god uh this is hard i love hocus pocus so much anyway sanderson sisters come back um maybe it's the kids of the original the blonde and what's his face um and it's a similar story but we're gonna have to have some other kind of twist that my brain isn't going to make up right now. But yeah, the kids, maybe Hannah plays the blonde teenage girl as like the adult. So she's the mom and she gets involved because she's like, oh, not this again. Um, I've gone way over 30 seconds because I just got very <laughs> overwhelmed with all of this exciting news. But I'll have Billy come back. He's going to be better at this than I am. I can already tell. There's no way that was just 30 It seconds. wasn't. I even admitted that because I... I You'll hear it when you listen back, but I got excited and flustered about the the prompt. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, cool. Whenever you're ready, Claire. Oh, do I have to do it too? No. No, no, no. You just have to give me the prompt because oh, I didn't yeah, hear he, it. Oh, you didn't, didn't hear, hear it? it? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Hocus Pocus 2 is, is coming out very soon and Hannah Waddington is attached. What is the sequel? Tell me the storyline. Look, all right, in the first one, all they want to do is get young again. But all of the actresses have aged, okay? Which is what I'm living for. I want anger at the fact that they have aged in real time. Um, I want them all walking down the street again. Just, uh, uh. But you know what? I don't want them... I don't want them to rehash a lot of the story beats from the first one. I really want them to kind of go goofy in a new direction with it. Um Maybe less talk of virgins. Maybe more, actually. Maybe more <laughs> talk of virgins. Um, but yeah, like, we don't need Billy to come back. We don't need Thackeray Banks to come back. I actually wouldn't mind if... Uh, I would love if we got the three kids from the first movie back. I think that would be cool. But we don't need that. We just need the three witches causing havoc yet again, trying to eat children. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think they can write them back alive any way they want. That's fine. I don't care. I just... I, I hope we don't beat for beat the first movie. I hope we don't get too nostalgia with it. I hope it's an interesting, fun, new take to go mm -hmm. with these characters. I mean, and it's actually, I know uh, Dagny did it too, so I'm going past 30 seconds to screw it. Um, 
it's been long enough since the first one that like the world is totally different from Hocus Pocus one. Yeah. Like there's no cell phones in Hocus Pocus one. Mm. There's no real internet really. Like there could be a lot of things that are just even more baffling. Yeah. Like they thought they had a handle on it after their one night in 1996 or whatever it was. And they're like, we're back and we know what cars are. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but like, this is a smartphone. And they're like, how dare you smack? Um, um, and I also just hope <clears throat> Bette Midler has no restrictions. Like she can yeah. just go full insane Absolutely. the whole movie. Yeah. Um, wow. I know timing wise wow. hasn't, this wouldn't, or like aging wise, this wouldn't make sense. But the best character in the first one, other than like the Sanderson sisters, is the little sister. Um, yes. And if that was like, Again, aging wise and years wise doesn't make sense. But if Hannah, uh, oh my God, why can't I keep remembering her last name? Waddington. Uh, if she was like playing the younger sister because just like their spunkiness kind of evens out. But yeah, that would be fun. But again, aging wise doesn't really make too much sense. But ugh. 1993, I said 96, I'm wrong. Even if she's the only one we got back, the younger sister, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Because she's like my favorite Well, character. she's still working. She yeah, still yeah. does it. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's so good. I love her. Yeah, I just saw Incredible. a press release go out, like naming all the people that were recently attached, and there was quite a long list, and some of them I didn't recognize, so I wonder if some of them are the original kids. Oh, so I'm going to have to Google this after. I'm so excited. I'm excited, too. Ooh, I'm humped. Well, Claire, you do have to pick oh. a winner. <laughs> well, Both of ours I were know, kind right? of all over the place. Apologies for that. Oh, it's yeah. okay. Um, I am going, I'm going to go with Billy. That is fair. His was bam, more cohesive bam, bam. in general. Mine was I'll all over it. the place. Well, thank you so much. Cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. So Hocus Pocus 2, three young women accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern day Salem and must figure out how to stop mm. the child hungry witches from wrecking havoc on the world. Awesome. Supposed to come out next Halloween. I'm very excited. <gasps> oh. Yeah, they're like about to begin. So... <laughs> finally yeah. we've been wanting this for years and years and years i think so has uh, bet midler like she has openly said like because people are like why isn't hocus pocus 2 happening and she's like i am waiting like <laughs> i don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm waiting for the call she's she's described it as the her favorite character she's ever played on film oh yeah. my God. um and yeah she's she's the one who has said if they do a sequel i will be back for like the past 15 years she's been saying yeah. what a dream so what glad. an absolute dream for all three of them to like play those yeah. characters also and i said this to billy um the other day when i told him that i watched hocus pocus for the very first time um that uh, what a perfect show for broadway i feel like oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Also set up so well for that, even though I don't know if um, just looking at like how Beetlejuice did and stuff like that, that it's, you know, people yeah. go through uh, times of year when they want to watch something like that. And I feel like that is where yeah. Beetlejuice struggled on Broadway was this that once the fall was gone, people were <laughs> like, it's March. I don't want to go see it's- Beetlejuice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but maybe Hocus Pocus could pull the audience in. We'll see. That would yeah. be really fun Gosh, if we want to watch Hocus Pocus. I know, me too. I haven't done it this uh. this Halloween yet, so maybe I watch it in the background while well, I get Claire, ready today for our Halloween party yeah. tonight. Halloween party. Although this episode, Halloween's been dead for three days. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
Well, Claire, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have anything you'd like to plug before we wrap oh, up? Oh, like to plug? No, you know, unfortunately, I I did have something very exciting in my life, but then COVID came and ruined it. So I no longer <laughs> have anything exciting. Um, Class, tell um, me yep, about it. Yep, I was supposed to be on um, the Offer, the new Godfather TV show on Paramount, and um, oh, right. the day before I started filming, I got the Rona, even though I was fully vaccinated. So um, oh. unfortunately, I lost my role. So it is on to the next one. So I have nothing to pitch, but um, hopefully, it's such a shame. Bummer. We'll get some yeah. cool shit. Yeah, it's yeah. all happening. Everything's coming up. Yes, us. Yes, short <laughs> because I got engaged. Um, oh man! Well, indeed. Thank okay, you cool. so much for having me, guys. This was such a blast. Thanks for nerding out this with me. I loved it so much, and I can't wait to see you guys tonight at the party. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, I'm very excited. And yeah, this was perfect. It's only the second time we've ever talked about music on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. the last time it was about a heavy metal band. So very different vibe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's always fun because we get a lot of movies, and so whenever we can talk about something else, it's it's super super fun. Yeah. Although we do love our obscure movies that people bring in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I almost I did Ever After. Oh, I, yeah. I almost brought in Ever <gasps> After. Oh, oh iconic. Oh, I love Ever After. Brilliant. It was, that was my second choice is that I was going to come in and talk about Ever After and my love for Angelica Houston, who's like the only – one of the only celebrities I've ever been starstruck by. I literally could barely speak when I met her because I was so, so. Yeah. Is she the one who invited you inside no, for tea? No, no. That would be the okay. ever, ever iconic Catherine O'Hara, who I have <sighs> been uh, at her house multiple times. Of course she invited you in for tea. She's, she's an wonderful. angel. And oh. she's very, the very first thing she ever wanted to talk to me about was politics. And she's also a hysterical <laughs> mom. Um, one of the last, I guess, two years ago, um, side note for podcast listeners, I work um, part-time for Vanity Fair. So I don't just see these people in day-to-day life. Um, <laughs> I very seasonally deliver all of the Oscar party invites to all of the A-listers every year. It's a very strange and odd job that I have for them that I've been doing for the past eight or eight years now. Um, but last time that I saw her, she was playing tennis with her boys and I, they had a gift with Vanity Fair of like the new Apple TV or whatever. And, uh, Mm -hmm. they saw it in my hands and they were like, mom, 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 I think I need that. And they were like, mom, mom, no mom. And she literally turned around and she was like, (laughs) shut up. And then she like, (laughs) like came over at me and she was like, hi, Claire. wonderful and I love meeting I love meeting people who are just wonderful humans because of course you see the good and the bad and the ugly but actually having her be a truly wonderful person as also Angelica Houston was equally as wonderful as much as I barely spoke when I had my meeting with her because but she gave me a pen and I kept it and it's still it's still in my home and I'll be like this is the pen that Angelica Houston gave I love her oh that's so cool yeah Okay. Two very iconic people to me. Oh. That's amazing. I'm jealous. Oh. I'm very jealous. That would be so fun. Um, great. I guess I shall do an outro. Um, do that outro. Yes. Once again, congrats, Billy, on your engagement, which I've been waiting five months to happen. Five months. I can't believe that. Um, one day I'll show you all the runner-up of rings, and you'll see why this one is the one we landed on. Um, I love it. 
this yeah, one. it's a good one. Um, but this has been Poptimist. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, subscribe, comment, all those good things. Leave us five stars or one. I don't know. Whatever you feel like leaving. No, five. Don't do that. Do five. Don't, don't do that. Don't leave us one star. <laughs> um, and also check out old episodes um, and be sure to follow us on Instagram for updates on when new episodes are released and also upcoming live shows. And last, if you have any hot takes that you would like to share with us, email us at poptimuspod at gmail.com. We love to see it. And I think that's all, correct? I did it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we did it. Yes. Okay. Well, everybody say.